am so grateful for my dad, my father. Uh, I was texting with him earlier today and uh, just wishing him a happy Father's Day. One of the things that I'm so thankful for is a godly father. I was blessed with a godly father, but not just an earthly father. There have been many men in my life who are uh, like spiritual fathers, people who shaped me and spoke life into me, different pastors and leaders. And so today we honor them and those, those men as well. One of the things that I, I really am, uh, is true uh, of my dad was that he made sure that we were in church all the time. I mean, like literally all the time. We were like the first ones there, and we were always the last ones to leave, and my dad would just volunteer and be a part, and he believed in serving the local church, and uh, one of the things that is true of me growing up in the church, uh, and, and some of you who grew up in the church, you can relate, that there were these weird songs that they taught us, these songs to like help us like remember Bible stories. I remember there was one about like Noah, and how it rained and poured for 40 daisy daisies. See, there's some of you, you remember that as well. I've got a few of my church people at And then there was one about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And it went something like Zacchaeus was a... Anna was he... See, there's all my church kids. I knew you were in the house. Some of you were here. I want to go to the story of Zacchaeus today and help us understand a couple things as it relates to our lives and our faith, because I believe that oftentimes our past mistakes and our past failures leave us feeling like we little men. And today, the title of the message is exactly that, we little men. So let's jump into Luke chapter 19, Luke 19, starting in verse 1, and let's read this account of this wee little man by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, Verse 1 says this, and Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Somebody say sugar daddy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he was vertically challenged. Some of you are vertically not gifted, but God loves you all the same. Uh, He was a short, short man. I bet he had a really big truck, though. Wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed up a tree. And he was in the tree looking for Jesus since he knew he would come that way. Verse 5 says this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. These dirty, filthy people. You know some mutterers in your life? Anybody ever muttered at you when you walked by? 
You knew the little whispers that were happening. They mutter still. They mutter still today. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, if I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times the amount. Jesus said to him, man, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. This man, too, is the son of Abraham. This man, too, although he was filthy, although he's been wretched, although he's been a lying dirtbag his entire life, though he's cheated and deceived and lied and is a jerk, this, too, is a son of Abraham. See, see, it doesn't matter what the label could fit on your life. You, too, can be a son and daughter of God. For, verse 10, I love this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Will, will you say that verse with me? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. This verse, Luke 19, 10, this is Jesus's mission statement. This was the whole purpose Jesus showed up on the scene. It, we use language like this a lot of times within our team here at the church. We would say it like this, that this was Jesus's win statement. This is how Jesus knew he was winning. If he was seeking and saving people who were lost, who had no clue who God was, if he was helping people see God for the first time, he knew he was winning. That's how he knew what the score was. He wanted to know, and he knew that if he was seeking and saving the lost, not if he was making religious people happy, not if he was pleasing everybody, not if he was making lots of friends, not if he had a lot of money, not if he had a big following. Jesus knew he was winning when people who were lost were being found. That's how he knew he won. He was winning. Like Jesus, you and I, we like to know when we're winning. And we keep score in a lot of different ways. We, we try and run up the scoreboard of our life. And like Zacchaeus, most of us have been trying to make it look like we're winning on the outside. A lot of money, a lot, a lot of fame. People are afraid of us. Maybe we put the fear of God into people. People don't, they know not to mess with us. Right, like, Maybe like Zacchaeus, we're trying to be the impressive. We feel like we can. We have the money. We have the outside. We need. We've got it all put together. We got a big house and a big car. We we've got all these outside. Everybody looks happy on the Instagram world. Everybody looks happy here. We we try and do a lot of things on the outside to distract and to confuse and to get people to look at this stuff. But on the inside, we know the truth. We feel really, really small. Why? Why? Why is that? See, because. We may be good at giving other people forgiveness, but when it comes to our own past, our own mistakes, our own failures, our own sin, we have a really hard time feeling forgiveness. We have a really hard time moving past our past. It seems like everywhere we go, every person we run into, every song we hear on the radio, every uh, grocery aisle we walk down, every time we're dropping our kids off and picking them up, every time we take our kids to the ball field, our mistakes seem like they're front and center. 
because we've lived in the same town for so long. We've lived in the same area for so long. It's like everywhere we go, all we see is our mistakes, and we can't get past it. We can't get over it. And on the inside, our failures, our, 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 our mistakes, our past makes us feel so small and so full of shame. We're not really good with dealing with our past. In fact, for, for most people, when it comes to the past, we, we try to deal with it in one of three ways. And, and maybe you can relate to some of these. I, I know I sure can. One, one of the ways we try and deal with our failures and our past is that we just simply try and bury it. Just stuff it down. Stuff it. I see nothing. You see nothing. Right? Like, no, no, no. Nothing to see here. Just keep on walking. Mind your own business. And we just bury our past. We try, we try and do things like just ignore it. If we ignore it, they'll go away. Like the person ringing the doorbell trying to sell you something, if we ignore it, they will just go away. But your past doesn't, does it? It shows up again. You try and ignore it all you want, but it doesn't work that way. See, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, ignoring it won't get you anywhere. You can ignore it, you can stuff it, you can try and pretend that it's not true, but the reality is your past, your mistakes, your reality, what's been done already, it's gonna find you out, it's gonna be there, and you cannot ignore it, but we try we try, we try, we try. We self-medicate. We distract ourselves with busyness. We'll skip church for weeks on end. Why? Because we just want to ignore it. But it doesn't go away. And, and not only do we try and ignore it when we bury it, but, but when we're burying it, we also like to minimize it. Downplay it. It's no big deal. Everybody makes mistakes, we say. The problem is, in minimizing it and saying it, it's a mistake, it's like saying, oh, we just missed a math problem. Getting a math problem wrong is a mistake. Leaving a comma out of a grammatical sentence, that's a mistake. Right? Sinning, living promiscuous, lying, cheating, Deceiving other people, spreading rumors, slandering other people. Those are sins. The good news is Jesus came to die for your sins. He didn't come to die for your mistakes. And as long as we're minimizing it and not calling a sin a sin, we'll never get the help that we need because it's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. We'll just keep going on. And you're burying something that God says I could redeem but we bury it. For 1 Timothy 1, Paul's writing, and he says, um, even though I once was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was a violent man, and he was. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The Lord, the grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, Paul said, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul's saying. Here's a trustworthy saying. And it deserves full acceptance. Christ 
Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not mistakers. He came to save sinners. And he goes on to say, of whom I'm the worst. Paul goes on, he's saying, listen, I'm not minimizing the sin. I was, I was, I was really good at sinning. Like, I, I could sin really good. People who say sin isn't fun aren't doing it right. It's time that we stop minimizing it, stop trying to ignore it. We stop trying to bury our sin under our religious cloak and dagger, under our religious activity and pursuits, under our finances, under these achievements, all these other activities. It's time that we stop burying it and we just bring it to Jesus instead. It's not that we just bury it, but we also just beat ourselves up over it. I talk to so many people who continually beat themselves up over their past, continually beat themselves up over the mistakes that they've made, continuing to just speak negatively about themselves again and again and again. And that's not helping. You're not getting past your past in that way. All you're doing is compounding the problem. In marriage, oftentimes, the greatest voice of condemnation is the one that you sleep next to. It's time to stop blaming. It's time to stop, stop beating each other up over things that we already are beating ourselves up over enough. If you want to start winning in your marriage, it's time to start building each other up with your words and stop tearing each other down with the things that you say. If you will build each other up, you'll see them become a different person. It's time that we stop beating ourselves up and start building each other up. But we beat ourselves up when it comes to our past. Man, we do. And we play this, this game. We play this if only game. Well, if only I didn't do that, life would have been better. If only I would have finished school, it would be different. And all the while, what we're really doing is just beating ourselves up over things that we can no longer go back and redo. In fact, some of us have been beating ourselves up so much over the sin, over the things that we've been burying. We've been beating ourselves up over the addictions, over the things that we've been dealing with in our lives. We've been beating ourselves up over it so much that it's making us sick physically. Listen to this verse in Psalms 38, verse four through eight. The psalmist is writing and he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy. to My guilt, not the guilt from other people, not the guilt that I feel, no, no, the guilt that I put on myself. Because what if I would have done it different? What if I would have said something? What if I wouldn't have left? What if I wouldn't have lashed out in anger? What if? And we beat ourselves up and the guilt is too heavy to bear. Verse five goes on to say, my wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. Just the regret and the what ifs and the if I coulda, shoulda, woulda. Verse seven, my back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. In moments when I feel like I'm getting sick physically, constantly having certain pains, this cough that keeps reoccurring, you know the first thing that I do? 
is I ask God, God, is there some sin that I haven't confessed before you? See, because anything that we keep in the dark becomes the playground for the devil. Why? Because the devil operates in the dark and in the shadows. So unconfessed sin, things that we don't bring to the Lord, this guilt that we carry is the playground for the enemy in our lives. Sickness and disease often show up. Not always. I'm not saying every time you got a cough, then you've got some addiction that you're not telling people about. Right? Like, I got the sniffles. Well, where'd you steal money this week, pal? Like, like let's, let's, let's take it in step. But the truth remains. The guilt that we carry because we've never brought it to the Lord only opens up our physical bodies for deep pain. And our bodies, we carry all because we've been beating ourselves up. But, but we take it a step further sometimes. And it's not that we just bury it. It's not that we beat ourselves up over it. Man, we sure like to blame other people, don't we? We sure like to blame other people for our, our screw-ups. Well, if they wouldn't have sent me the text, I wouldn't have responded. Well, if they... If, if, if my wife was given it, I wouldn't go find it. Oh, if, if my dad wouldn't have been so abusive, then I wouldn't have. To get too real, do I need to back it up and put on a fake smile for a little bit? Are we okay? We just like to blame other people, and we learn it from a young age, Right? Because we want to win. Nobody wants to feel like we failed. Nobody wants to lose. Well, I would have made the shot if he wouldn't have hit my arm. Golden State would have won if they wouldn't have all gotten injured. <laughs> Dang Toronto. Right, like, come on. We blame other people all the time because nobody wants to feel like a failure. Nobody wants to lose in life. We all want to win. We all want to move forward. We all want to feel like we're on top of the world. We all want to be the hero. But the truth is oftentimes we're just not. And we do like Zacchaeus does. We climb trees so that we can see enough of Jesus, but we never let Jesus actually see us. See, I don't think Zacchaeus climbed the tree just because he couldn't see. I think he climbed the tree so he could see, but nobody could see him. Because it's when Jesus starts seeing us that we have to deal with the things that we've been burying, with the things that we've been blaming and beating ourselves up, and the things that we've been blaming other people for. See, we climb trees to see what's going on because we don't want other people to know that we really feel like we little people because of our past. And some of us don't want to feel like we little people because we have no intention of changing our behavior. But we stay stuck as we little people. And our past continues to bury us instead of us bury them. But I've got some good news. And you're like, good, let's get to that part, Pastor. Here's some, here's some good news. I want you to understand this, these truths because it'll help us as we move forward. You gotta understand this truth. We see it in the story. Jesus showed up and said, I wanna come sit with you, Zacchaeus. When it comes to your past and all of those things, I want you to realize that God is a loving, caring, gracious God. He wants to sit with you, not shout at you nor shame you. He just wants to sit with you. He comes to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus is like, you know who I am? 
They'll tell you who I am. The rumors in this town of Jericho are legit. I mean, and they're true. They'll tell you I'm a terrible person. You don't want me here. She says, no, come on down. Not only do I want to sit with you, I want to go hang out at your house. I want to hang out at your house. I want to hang out. I want to sit with you. Jesus went and he sat with Zacchaeus. He didn't shout at him. He didn't shame him. He didn't condemn him. No, because there's no mountain God won't climb up. There's no wall he won't tear down. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing. And so many times we think we're not gonna talk to God. We're gonna bury it because we think God's just waiting to shout at us a little bit. You're serving the wrong God. You've got a wrong idea. See, God is wanting to sit with you. God's not oblivious to your sin. As if like you hide it behind your back and he can't see. Like pretend like it didn't happen and God won't know that it happened. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not that God's not oblivious to your sin, friends. It's just that when he looks at you, he sees his son. God, God has a way of seeing his son in you more than the sin in you. And that's not for everybody. That's only for people who have said yes to Jesus, people who have surrendered, those who have humbled and asked for forgiveness and repented. When you are in a relationship with God, even if you're not perfect and you aren't, he still sees his son more than he sees your sin. And that's the good news. That's why we celebrate and we sing and, and a church full of imperfect people show up week after week and we sing about a God and we give him our all and we serve and we help other people and we do it and we're really crappy. But he still sees his son in us, not our perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about just loving a perfect God who transformed you in a personal way. God wants to sit with you, not shout at you. It's not only that. I, I want you to understand today, if we're going to get past all the, the blaming and the burying and the, and the beating ourselves up, you need to know how God sees your sin. Like, how does God see my sin? Is it some distasteful thing where he gets sick just to look at me and he can't stand the sight of me? Is that, is that how God sees my sin? No. See, when you begin to see your sin like God sees your sin, it helps you move past your sin. How, how does God see you? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us how he sees you. How he sees you and me, those of us who have put our faith in, those of us who have received Jesus as the Lord of our lives. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, therefore, if anyone has put their faith in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. In other words, there's a whole new thing that takes place when you put your faith in Jesus. You know, that's, that's why we get a little crazy when it comes to water baptism around here. That's why we get excited. See, because the minute they get in that water, they're telling everybody, I've died with Christ. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I'm sitting in Christ. Like you're sitting in the waters, representing the fact that you are seated in Christ. You go under the water, and you come up out of that water, and the old stays buried in the water, and the new shows up when you come up. 
There's a, there's a newness that takes place in you. There's something new that happens when you come up out of the water. It's the symbolic nature that you were buried into who Jesus is and you come up dripping with God's goodness all over you. You're dripping in it, dripping in it. You're dripping in the goodness and the life of God. You're dripping in the salvation. You're dripping in the righteousness of God. You are fully clothed, soaked to the bone with the goodness of God. Some of you, you've been delaying and putting off being water baptized because you haven't fixed everything in your life yet. You feel a little shamed, and you're not sure you're going to ever really change. Can I encourage you with something? The water's still in the tub. We'll do it right after service. It's time to stop letting condemnation, fear, and worry about not being perfect in the future keep you from saying yes to Jesus. Because the very thing that can silence the shame is you getting dripping wet in the presence and the love of God. You taking a bath in the righteousness of God so that all of it becomes clean. And now you have a visual reminder when, the Satan try, when Satan tries to lie at you and tell you of your past, you can say, yeah, I've got a past. It's buried in the water. And I'm different. We've got to see our sin the way Jesus sees our sin, not as a problem, but as something that he paid for. See, sometimes God will remind us of our sin. But he does it so that we repent. He'll remind you of, the, of something that happened that you've never repented for. And he does it not to condemn you, not to bury you, and not to shout at shame at you. Remember, that's not what he's doing. He reminds you so that you know you can return and repent to him. It's something that you receive by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it's for by God's grace that we're saved, through faith, not of our works. You wanna know what repentance means? Repentance means you're going one direction and you decide to go a different direction. It's a U-turn. It's a, it's a change. I, I, I think that I am a full sinner and I'm reprehensible. I am changing my mind and my direction to think that I'm now in the righteousness of God, a son of God, and I'm pursuing God instead. It, just, it doesn't mean we wail, God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. Like, that's not repentance. That's remorse. Repentance is you turn around, you change the way you think. You start thinking the way God thinks. You start thinking about your past the way God thinks about your past. Not a problem to solve, but a debt that's already been paid. Come on. It's already a debt that's been paid. It's not a problem you've got to fix, a problem you got, because you can't earn it. I want you to think about something. In the text, Zacchaeus, he experienced this overwhelming grace and love of God. He receives Jesus' love literally in his home. And the first thing he does is he stands up and he says, Lord, 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 here's the deal. If I've wronged somebody, I'm going to make it right. If I've stolen, I'm not only going to pay them back what I've stolen, but I'm going to give it four times over what I've stolen from them. I'm going to make it right. He wasn't living out this restitution to earn the forgiveness. 
He had already been forgiven and he was living out his repentance. Why? Because he was going this way. I'm a thief. I'm a robber. I'm going to take it, take it, take it. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to give it all away. I'm going to be a blessing to other people. I'm going to help other people get a leg up. I'm going to return what I've stolen. As I used to be a dirt bag, now I'm a loving God, right? Like it's just a turn. It's a repentance. And God will remind you of your sin so that you can repent and return to him. He's over here, hey, come back. You went too far. You watched what you shouldn't have. You got angry. You lied. Again. To your boss. Come back. You said those words. That's not who you are. I'm over here. Come back. So that we're here, it's like, oh, wait, God's voice, it's behind me. I'm gonna come back to God. We make a big deal about our sin, but that's only because we're trying to bury it, trying to minimize it. We're trying to blame other people for our sins, our mess-ups, our mistakes. We're, we're trying to do any and everything because we don't wanna deal with it because we're afraid God's gonna yell and get mad at us. No, he's reminding you sometimes of our past so that you can repent and return to him. Satan will remind you of your sin too. He reminds you of your sin so you keep running away from God. He's right there. Hey, you're such a dirtbag. I can't believe you did that. Your wife's never going to feel Your husband, oh man, this is awful. This is over. You're never going to recover from that financial mistake. You're going to go to jail forever. It's not, it's never, you're never going to get past it. The people are never going to forget about this in this town. They're always going to remember. Every time they see you, they're going to see this thing that you did. And he's shouting at you. Why? Because he just wants you to keep walking away walking away, walking away. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brother. Revelation chapter 12 says this, now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, Satan himself, who accuses them before God day and night. All he does is accuse you. All he does is shout shame at you. All he does is get you to stay in the tree and not be seen. Don't tell nobody. Don't show nobody. Don't be honest. You man up. You deal with it. You fix it. You fix it yourself. You're, once you clean up, then you can come to God. And he's just shouting day and night. That accuser has been hurled down. They triumph over him. Literally, they stepped over, they triumphed over the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. By the blood that Jesus poured out and their willingness to stand and testify, I was a drug addict, but I've been set free. I was blind, but now I see. Yes, I've done some junk in my past, but it's buried because of what Jesus has done for me. I'm a new person, a new creation. The old is way gone and the new is showed up. Yeah, I was this, but I'm not. Yes, I'm Zacchaeus. I used to steal from you. Forgive me. Here's the payback. I want to bless you. Buy yourself a new car. Oh, you don't have a car? Take my massive truck that I've been compensating with for my wee little. Y'all just go right ahead. It's the blood and your word. But if you don't ever let your words come out in repentance, you're going to stay stuck get over your past and you'll never get beyond feeling like a wee little punk 
wee little person worth nothing, amount to nothing, no good. A wee little failure. Pastor, how, I want to see it the way God sees it. I want, I want to, how, do I, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I do it? Here you go. You ready? Real, real simple. Start seeing yourself as God sees you. See, when the accusations start to come, see yourself as forgiven. This week, when you're remembering a past mistake, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I repented of that? Have I said, God, I repent? Have I come to the Lord and confessed that? Have I with my mouth made testimony? And if the answer is yes, keep moving forward. And if the answer is no, you haven't, then repent. Then repent. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive not the people around us, not God. We deceive ourselves. If you keep calling it a mistake, all you're doing is deceiving yourself you bury it, you deceive. If you're blaming other people, you're deceiving yourself. If you're beating yourself up over it, you're deceiving yourself. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will not may if you say the right prayer. Not may if you get to church the next week. Not may if you did your tithe on the right way. Not may if you quit doing it ever again. No, no, no. He is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all un righteousness. The water of his love washes you pure. The blood of Jesus removes the even stain and the stench of your sin. See yourself like God sees you. Look at your past the way God looks at your past. He looks at it as one of two ways. Forgiven or about to be forgiven. Forgiven or about to be forgiven. It's forgiven, move on. If it's about to be forgiven, do an about face, repent, confess it to God, bring it into the light and start walking towards God. I said earlier, anything that you keep silent, you're keeping in the dark. All of 1 John 1 is all about how to walk in the light. You wanna stay open, you wanna stay the life of God growing in your life, you want to see your life begin to prosper. You want to see your past no longer grip you and hold you back where you're bound like a ball and chain. You want to get past it no matter what other people see. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. And come to Him. I want to, I want to challenge you this week. Everybody here, memorize 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Memorize it. Put it deep in your memory bank. Why? Because when you start to remember the sins of your past, could have been past five minutes or past five years. When you remember those sins, when the truth of God's word is in your heart, 
you will know exactly what to do. I either need to repent and confess it to God, or I just need to keep silencing the enemy, tell him to shut up, remind him that I've been forgiven, and then I can keep moving in the light with the Lord Jesus Christ. See yourself as God sees you. Memorize 1 John 1, 8 and 9. I don't know your story. I don't know all of the details. But I know this. If Satan can keep you trapped, he will. He wants you to stay stuck in your past, feeling like we little people. But Jesus says he's come to give you life, life to the fullness, and to make you more than a conqueror, an overcomer, victorious, not defined by your past, but defined by the cross of Jesus Christ. Not defined by your sin, but defined by the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you and for me. When your past starts to shout, remember God's faithfulness. What do you mean, pastor? I mean he's faithful to forgive. If you've confessed it, he's forgiven it. If you haven't confessed it, you need to. That's where it starts. That's how you move past your past. Some of you need to silence the voice of shame for good. And let's get water baptized. Right here. After first service, lady came with tears in her eyes. You baptized me? Yeah. Knelt down, prayed. We baptized her. Dripping wet. Went home in dripping wet clothes and a towel. But she was dripping in the righteousness of God. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You've been way away from God and your past has been eating you alive. And you need to come and surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you, I've been sitting here and you, you are realizing as followers of Jesus, people who've given your life to the Lord, that you need to repent. Listen, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're in the family of God. That doesn't change. He saved you, he's made you new, you're a new creation. But when you mess up, and you will, and I will, what the Bible says we need to do is then confess our sins and receive this repentance. We change our mind. It's not salvation that we get every time we mess up. You're already saved, you're perfect. He sees you as that way. You don't have to keep getting saved over and over and over again but you do need to repent over and over and over again. Remember, repentance isn't coming into the family of God. Repentance just means returning back into close proximity with God. There's a difference. Some of you, you know some things that you need to repent. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we close in prayer? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to each person in this room. Help us reveal right now what our next step is. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, my next step this week is I'm gonna memorize 1 John 1, 8 and 9. That's my commitment. And by a way of commitment, I'm just lifting my hand right now saying, I'm gonna memorize that. I'm gonna commit that to memory. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air and say, yeah, I'm gonna commit that to memory. I think there's so many of us. Awesome, thank you. You and the Lord, making God, we're gonna do this this week. Some of you are here and you're a follower of Jesus. You're in the family of God. You love the Lord, but you know there have been some things that you've been burying, blaming, beating yourself up over 
And today is your day to begin walking in the light again. And you're just going to repent. Right there in your seat. Jesus, forgive me for, you just fill in the blank. I repent for this and that. Repent. He's coming into your life and he's filling you right now. Some of you are in this room and you know your next step is to be water baptized. I say, why wait? Let's do it. Come find me after. We'll make it happen. Some of you, though, you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life or you've been leading your life as your own Lord lately and you've been dealing with stuff and you know you need to get right with Jesus and today you want to become a son or daughter you want to return or join the family of God and you want to put your faith in Jesus if that's you would you just put a hand in the air so that we can pray with you today say I want to give my life to Jesus thank you so much thank you so much for those hands are there others say I want to I want to come into the family of God I want to receive salvation today. Church family, can we all stand to our feet as we pray together? We don't want anybody praying alone today. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die for me. He paid the price for my sins. I receive by faith your salvation. Change me. Make me new. A new creation in you, Jesus. Thank you for making the old pass away. And today, new begins. I receive your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate.